You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ, The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hello, friends. My name is Ben Hardman. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm here with our co-founders, Ben Sternkey and Matt Tebby. How are you doing, guys? Pretty good. If I was any better, I'd be dead. Yeah, Matt's doing awesome, great, Matt. I guess. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I have not been around the podcast for a few weeks. Uh, I've been traveling and doing vacation and doing just pastoring things. So it's good to be back with you guys today. Yeah, uh, hanging out and talking through some good things with our good friend Douglas Tappen. And uh, Douglas is a good friend of mine. Uh, he is here in Atlanta, Georgia with me, uh, attends our church, Grace Marietta. Uh, he's a musical theater writer. He's a former music business lawyer yes. and had a vision at one point of his life of doing ministry. He's a teacher, uh, and he also plays FIFA on the Xbox about as much as I do. Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> Maybe more. Uh, we're glad to have you, Douglas. Good morning. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, man. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of your journey. I know I, I was just telling the guys, you're, you're kind of like the Forrest Gump of like, I've done everything. I've been everywhere. Um, you grew up in London and in London uh, had a vision for your life of doing ministry. Yes. Uh, tell, just narrate your story a little bit for us. All right. Got, got to go back far yeah and, and tell you how 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 it is to grow up in a family when when your mother tells you that that um i have four sisters um and 
uh, my parents had longed for a son um, and had been praying to God for a son. And, and, and my mother carried a, a boy to, to, to term almost, and he was stillborn. Um, and at that point, um, wanting to sue the doctor, she felt the Lord telling her not to do that. And she prayed to, to the Lord and said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give him back to you to, to serve you all the days of your life of his life. And, and that's how my life begins. When your parents tell you this, uh, wow. you're, you're, you're loaded with, with response, a sense of responsibility. And so much <laughs> of my life has been working out what, what on earth does that mean? Is it true? And if it's true, how do, how do I work this out? Um, I was a kid. Uh, we went to church every day. Um, it felt like definitely twice on Sunday, sometimes midweek. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, I remember sitting up and looking up at this pulpit um, at the minister and having this sense, was it God speaking to me? I just heard i thought the lord say you're gonna do that mm-hmm. um and that pulpit isn't there anymore the church is barely there anymore everything's changed um and so over my life i've spent a long time trying to work out you know god what is your call how are you calling me what is it you want me to do on the presumption that that somehow this promise that my parents made is true um and and i've 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 spent time working in church i've done everything from preaching to teaching to evangelism to worship leading to the counseling, I guess you call it. Um, and, and at some point, um, I, I had a sense of the Lord saying, present yourself as an approved workman. Learn how to correctly handle the truth. I'd never done anything that amounted to theological training in the sense of the Lord saying, now's the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that led me to, to America, um, to just to spend time praying and talking with a friend um, who's a real um, a spiritual um, friend who, who, who talks to the Lord, understands God, hears from the Lord. Um, he set me up. Not only did we pray, but he took me into a school of theology that he himself was attending at the time. And I had a lunch with um, faculty members, the dean, some others. And during the conversation, they were asking me who I was, what, he, what I wanted to do. And, and somewhere in the middle of the lunch, they re- reached across the table and offered a handout and said, Doug, we'd love to have you here. Um, and, and thereon began the, the, the oh, 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 here we go. Uh, Got <laughs> to deal with this. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and so eventually went back to London, um, mentioned this to my wife about the thought of moving to America, which is hey, a whole... Hey, maybe. Yeah. Maybe we're moving to America. A, a, a whole a whole nother story. But but to, to shorten the story, um, I believe that God was saying, go to that place. Um, sell your house in England. Um, don't rent it. Don't have anything to go back to. Leave your job at the time, which was law, and I was earning a, a ton of cash and was, was planning all sorts of things. I'd just been offered a job where they were going to triple my salary. I felt the Lord saying, leave all of that and, and step out and go and do this thing, um, which even at the time didn't didn't match everything I sense the Lord was calling me to because I felt the Lord was also calling me to write. And I just began mm-hmm. to write. That's uh, that's how I sort of got here. Yeah. So So no pressure from the beginning of your life, but you were the chosen one. It's 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 a weird thing to live with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just always been there, um, and and so and I've never been able to get away from it. And and sometimes that's included a sense of guilt that I that I have to do better at this, that I have to at least try to do this. But also a sense of well, you know, hey, things worked out okay with Samuel, in a sense. So so yeah. maybe let me just see what it is that God has for me and and, and try and apprehend it, grasp it, and walk in it as best as I can. Yeah. So I, when I when I grew up, uh, my I had a similar experience to where my parents just loved the fact that I was interested in ministry. Mm-hmm. Like they were very proud that I was going to be the next Billy Graham. 
that I was going to do my thing. And, and I was given the, the parable of the talents was given to me over and over again yeah. as almost like a, you've got to do this. Like you've been given this. And if you don't, you're disappointing God, you're disappointing your family, you're disappointing the entire heart. All the hardmans throughout history will be disappointed <laughs> in you if yeah. you do not become. Yes. And then I've got a history of like fam pastors in my family. Okay. So I've got like grandfathers and great grandfathers and your great, great grandfather was a traveling pastor in Kentucky. And here's a book he wrote in 1800s. And we're going to put this in your hands when you're 14 and tell you, you have to do the same thing. Mm. And that did a really bad work in me. Mm. Uh, it didn't actually do a good work in me. Uh, it created a pressure and an expectation. Um, I'm an Enneagram three. So I've got this thing in me where I have to perform in order to belong or perform in order to be loved. Uh, did you feel uh, did you feel the bad work of that promise? Uh, all the time, um, because, because I, I had a father who's who's who died in twenty thirteen. But he was always a phrase I remember him saying a lot: "Is you just don't have enough ambition." Um, and and that that got in the way of everything else I tried to do that didn't fit with his sense of what ambition was. So when I was naturally skilled at music and found that I could write um, and create even without thinking about it, um, none of those things were going to be f acceptable because they didn't fit within his sense of, of what ambition was. Um, and, and, even, and even then after doing the, the, the divinity theology studies, um, my mother has, the, has still has, I think, this sense that I'm, I'm going to be a, a typical preacher. Um, uh, and, and she's always somewhat disappointed that I'm not doing exactly that as she understands it. And anytime I go anywhere near her church in Jamaica, I have to preach a sermon. They remind me about what I told them the last three or four times I was there. And, and, and so, and so at that moment, she's happy. Um, uh, although, although writing, which is what I do now and composing is something that she's, she's got her mind around that I think she tends to prefer things that involve audiences with lots of people in them and, and, and red carpets and, and the fancy things that she can she can apprehend and tell her friends about and send photos to them about and play recordings of. Mm -hmm. So so that that of course is, is is still pressure. So you still feel that today? Somewhat. Yeah. 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 Um but but you know I'm 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 significantly beyond it. Um mm -hmm. be, because I'm I'm learning more to to hear God's voice and to do the things that I sense that the Lord is saying to do. Um, that's the thing that he's really taught myself and my wife on this journey more than anything else. Um, it, it's, this is all about hearing from him, all about doing the thing that, that we sense he's leading us to do, even if it's contradictory to our own desires, mm. things other people are suggesting, even good sense. Um, and just walking, I suppose you've got to call it in faith and, and, and seeing how that works out. And, and that is not easy. It's, it's, it's really, really hard. And, and, and even, even today, it's really, really hard. So, yeah. Yeah. And so, so you came to Atlanta uh, with the, like, I'm going to get this doctrine of theology, mm -hmm. masters of divinity, yeah. right? Which Matt says is the humblest of all. Uh, we're going to master yeah. divinity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I did that a long time ago. Done. Moved on. You've mastered it. Mastered. Yeah. Done. Well, well done, Stern Key. How about you? Uh, I don't actually have a Master's of Divinity, so apparently I'm less like a, humble, yeah. like I'm a juvenile a, of, I'm, I'm of not divinity. A master of divinity either. Uh, <laughs> I'm some kind of a uh, 
Apparently, yeah. we should defer to you on every decision from here on out. I guess so. Yeah, I do. Have, I do have a master's in hermeneutics, so all I can do is oh. like read the Bible and interpret it. So, that, or maybe other texts. Boring, boring. It's not divinity. <laughs> well, uh, Douglas and I both got to level seven on FIFA. So, uh, what's up now? Oh, <laughs> I, win. I play FIFA too. But what's level seven? Is this I don't like know. a? I, just, oh, I was. You're making yeah, things up. Okay. I was being facetious. You made me feel master, a little bit insecure. Either you. <laughs> I was like, you what's level seven? <laughs> I, I ranked 89th in the world on the squad battles this week. Come on. Did you? Wow. <laughs> for, for about a minute. Oh, okay. a minute right. it. I don't know even know what that means, so but I'm I, impressed. I don't play that mode, but uh, that does sound impressive. Yeah, so, squad yeah. battles. I was impressed, and, and, and I, I literally did take a screenshot so I could prove it to people. <laughs> yeah, that's really. <laughs> Send it to your mom. Oh, I may not be preaching, mom, but I am impressed. 89th in the world. <laughs> And you thought I wouldn't amount to anything. <laughs> What's up now, mom? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, so you moved to Atlanta, uh, go to kind of pursue this vision of, I'm going to be a pastor, mm -hmm. I'm going to do ministry. Mm -hmm. And in the midst of that, you kind of started writing. Uh, tell us about that journey and kind of your journey into, okay, I, I feel like God's called me. I feel like God has invited me to use my voice for his kingdom and for his good, but I also have this gift on the side that I'm working with and working out. Yeah, I, I've always been been a writer in some form or other. Um, used to earn money when I was a kid at school from, from uh, I had a friend who was my manager. Um, people would put money on the table, they would ask for poems and songs, and, and, and I would write these things on the spot, and there would be reasonable rhyming going on for on the spot writing mm -hmm. um the first significant thing i wrote was a was a musical called deliver which was about the life of moses and, and the israelites um i'd been inspired because i'd gone to see le miserable which is a hugely successful musical that's my London, favorite musical walk, it's my favorite down um shaftesbury avenue and it had this overwhelming sense of i meant to do that wow. um didn't understand what that meant um and it wasn't until uh, I kind of fell across the story of Moses um, that I wrote this and, and we put it on in London and about nine or 10 different churches came together and, and one offered their space. And there were some immensely talented people that were there and, and, and 2000 people came to see that over a couple of days or three days, I think it was. And I remember when I was sitting looking out at this audience, having this weird conversation with God who, who seemed to be saying to me, look what you did whilst doing 60 hours a week practice in law. And, and I had this, I wonder what would happen if I just did this thought, mm -hmm. um, which was why coming to theology school didn't make sense because it seemed to make more sense to go and do an MFA or something like that and, right. in, in literary criticism or, 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 or some dramatic type thing. So, so I, I, that was one of the things when I felt, do what the Lord's saying to do. This was the right step and see how it works out. Um, uh, and so uh, coming out here, uh, I began to do everything I could to write. I, I wrote... Um, for, for a congregation here, everything from Easter productions to sermon illustrations, um, and we then put Deliverer on twice here. Um, uh, and, and somewhere in the midst of this, I sensed the Lord, and this, this really was the Lord's leading, um, suggesting that Martin Luther King Jr. was mm. someone who I ought to write about. Mm. Um, I didn't want to do that, um, because by then I'd written another piece um, called King, which was about King David. Um, and, and my argument with God was King wasn't in the Bible. And I feel as if I'm only meant to write about guys who are in the Bible. And, right. and so 
over a period of time, I really did sense this was the Lord's leading, um, began to write and and then wrote this piece that's now called I Dream, which is a, a we're calling it a rhythm and blues opera, um, which you've seen. I have seen, and it's phenomenal. Uh, we went and saw it in Charlotte just uh, a couple months ago and was amazed um, because when what I said to Douglas when I saw it was that one evening of musical theater was better than a month of my preaching uh, because it's so full of the good news of the gospel. It's so full of hope uh, in the midst of struggle. Yeah. Um, so what, as you were writing, I, one of the things that I love about the play and the musical, I'm not sure about the language. Do I say play? Do I say musical? You, you, Is one of those it, offensive? Uh, if I say, it, say it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's it's okay. all fine. I, th I think there's, I think there's ways that people who are involved in the music industry talk about these things that are much fancier yeah. than yeah, way you, Don't that, call it a little ditty. Yeah. Is that what you don't or, say? Yeah, don't, yeah. don't call it that. Or your, or your, your stage show. Stage show. Don't call it that. Yeah. Well, okay. my, my daughter, uh, she she participated in plays and musicals, and she would constantly correct me. Like, how was play practice? She was like, Dad, it's it's a musical, and it was rehearsal. I was like, oh, well, <laughs> how was that? How was that thing yeah. you did this afternoon? Yeah. So, anyway. so sorry if we get all of those wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I was struck. So a couple things that struck me. One is the beauty and the good news that all poured out of that. And, and it felt, I, I, I mean, it honestly felt like a congregation watching, hmm. watching the, the, the musical. And then also, uh, I was struck by the way you characterize King. Uh, and you, you focused on not just him as like this perfect example, but as, as a, as a character who struggled and battled and who had inner conflict in the midst of him. And, and you, you showed his kind of center saint, you, you showed both sides of King as a leader, which felt very real and authentic and genuine mm. uh, to me. So as you were writing all of this, what, uh, what led you to kind of characterize King that way? What led you to, um, to bring out kind of the beauty of the story, where where did all of that come from? Um, I, I met a the, the director um, who's a Broadway director introduced me to a lady who's a, a she was a professor of literary criticism. She'd been to Yale. She was tenured at Denver. She'd worked on shows like Jersey Boys. Um, she she gave me a hard time um, about what is it that I'm trying to say. Um, because, you know, this is a big story. It's a historical story. People know a lot about him. There's so many things you could do, so much history you could, you could, you could cover. But what is it you're trying to say? And I realized over a period of months that, that I wanted to say something about, about him as his humanity. Um, and, and, and there's a passage in, I think it's one of the books of Thessalonians when um, I think Paul says something like, Pray that your whole body, soul, and spirit might be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. Mm. And that, that whole body, soul, spirit breakdown um, was the, the the frame that I then began to look at King in, mm. um, uh, and kind of designed this piece to describe him as a man who had a, a body, soul, spirit, but, but the spirit being what I would call his heart mm -hmm. and the core of him. Um, that I saw as I looked at history was something that said love is the right approach to life. Love is hmm. love is love is paramount. Um, I saw that that would then be in contact with his humanity or or, or his, his soul in that sense. 
Um, and, and that immediately brings about conflict. I saw a man who, who, who naturally would, would not want to love because I don't think love is, is human. I think love is of God and, and that anything God tells us to do that is loving, whether it's praying for your enemies or those who persecute you or not retaliating is, is anti-human. Um, so that gave me an immediate sense of conflict to write. And then I saw a third thing um, to wrap it all up in is this thing called facade, which is how we present ourselves to the world. And so that was the the, the three part person that that I wrote into this piece, hmm. as dramaturge kind of made me think it through. And so everything in this piece speaks to one of those three things. And and if it didn't, it had to get thrown out. And there is more music, more songs on the the floor somewhere um, than 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 is in it at the moment because songs that had previously been written that didn't fit that model yeah. had to be thrown out. Yeah. Um, and so that that's what I'm trying to say to folks, that that, that is who he was. Um, and that's, in a sense, who we all are. Um, hmm. and, and that if the love of God impacts our life in any way, I think our very first response is one of resistance and and, hmm. and, and refusal to, to accede to it because it requires so much more of us than I think is possible humanly. Um, but then all of us, I believe, um, and you know, you can dis disagree or dispute this or push back on this, somehow wrap all of that up in this presentation as to how we show the world we are and who we say we are. And, and so that's the man that I try to, to, to present in that piece. It's brilliant. It's really, really well done. Yeah. So are you saying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see if I'm understanding here. When you say like love is, you know, essentially in your words, like anti-human or doesn't come from, I'm hearing you say like, it doesn't come from our human nature naturally. Um, it has Absolutely to come from not. God. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, do you end up narrating in this musical then um, King's journey into that? Like yes. from some of his resistance to it, some of his yeah, struggle. Absolutely, yeah. it, 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 be it begins with with him. It, it sort of begins in 1968, 36 hours before before the, the time of his assassination. Okay, and and I've I've imagined um, that he was having a, a recurring dream, and in that dream, he sees a man who's being violently assaulted, suddenly becomes that man, and cannot understand why this man won't retaliate hmm. and won't hit back and won't at least defend himself. Hmm. Um, and, and, and what pushed me down that way was, was, you know, I think it was, um, the evening of third, April 68, he gave that mountaintop speech yeah. where like Moses, he says, I've been to the top of the mountain. I've looked over, seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but you'll get there. Um, yeah. and, and wondered why he said that, you know, did he, did, was that right. something that just occurred to him in that moment or right. what, what if he'd been pondering this, that I, I hmm. I've seen something spiritually. Yeah. But I'm never going to stand in it. Um, but but I believe by faith that that people will stand in that. That whole mm. black, white, kids, adults holding hands right. is something that I see in the future. Um, yeah. And so I, I I gave him this this fictitious recurring dream, mm. um, where in his own dream he's fighting with with the truth of what he sees, which is nonviolence, love, non-retaliation, um, but his whole humanity hates it hmm. um, and and because he knows his natural response is to, is to want to hit back at least to put up his hands to defend himself but probably to get even yeah. believing things like an eye for an eye is more right than than, than praying for those that persecute you mm -hmm. which is you know in human speak nonsense isn't it right yeah it it, do, it doesn't quote work no it absolutely right, right. yeah yeah and 
and, and, and that's what blew my mind when I was looking at the civil rights movement as, as just this picture of, of, of love worked out. And I know that nonviolence is, is more complicated than that and isn't necessarily exactly Christian love. Um, but here were people who were willing to put themselves in, in harm's yes. way, um, some of whom had, had, had written their last will and testament before they went to do it. Um, right. this, this is a different kind of living. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm thinking about your story, Douglas, as you're sharing this, and about mm-hmm. sort of the tyranny of expectation and pressure you felt in your life to live up to the expectations, the lofty ministry expectations of mom, dad, et cetera, et cetera, and how that's, uh, I use the word tyranny, that kind of tyrannizes us, right? So we never feel like we've done enough, we never feel at yeah. home or present in what we're actually doing because there's this latent guilt that we should be doing something else, right? Then you've got King, who... Uh, whatever we could say about him, he definitely was a driven, ambitious, focused, directed person. I mean, he, the, the guy had a vision, and he went for it. But uh, it it wasn't a tyranny. The vision wasn't a tyranny, and it wasn't this outside, this outside expectation where his mom said, "If you don't lead a mass movement of people in the South for <laughs> civil rights, then you can't come home for Thanksgiving dinner." No, it was simply something that was birthed out of him. Through, I, I mean, I wonder if you could reflect on this a bit, the difference between being motivated and driven by the love, this non-retaliatory love of Jesus Christ, and then being driven by other people's expectations and how that, the difference that makes. Um, well, I think, I think, I think it may feel the same. Mm. Um, in, in, in the midst of it. Um, but I, I wonder whether, whether fulfilling the love imperative is, is the impossible one. Um, but for the power and grace of God, um, you yeah, know, cause I, I think, I think we can tick the parents boxes, the, the spouses boxes, the peer boxes by, by doing things that, that, that please them. We can become the professional uh, have the, the the possessions, the home, the type of wife or husband, depending on whether male or female, um, that that they want. But but I but I, and I think all those things are achievable. But I, I think I think doesn't Scripture tell us that that love is is impossible? Who who then can walk this way with God? It's possible, but with men, it's impossible. Um, and and so I wonder whether the only way we can we can walk in love is just to rest and recognize that God himself is love mm-hmm. and, and through us through our meager means our, our, our insignificance our failures our errors whatever we can do that somehow somehow um, that's enough and his grace is is sufficient um, yeah. and, and so we're, we're never trying to catch up to to the love of God even though there's a, there's an overwhelming sense of of, of because of the great thing that he's done for us that that we're impelled to to do the best we can for him yeah yeah i hear you saying the the difference the difference then it's not like pleasing it's not like pleasing the lord or walking in the way of love is is the same kind of thing even as you know trying to live up to your mother's expectations or or whatever else it is there's a there's a sense of uh there's a sense of rest there's a sense of surrender that comes from mm-hmm. knowing that I, I can't achieve this in my own strength. Yeah, and, and it's it's isn't it our response to God? Right. Because we love because he first loved us. Um that yeah. that's that means that the more I apprehend and grasp and see 
and he blows my mind open to, to the depths and the heights and the width and the breadth of his love, the easier it is to walk in it, which, which means that it's, it's a mind thing, isn't it? It's, it's right. about open as our understanding. And, mm. and, and the more we can, we can see that and get that sense of revelation that the, the, the more natural it becomes for us to, to, to do it. Um, Yes. Yeah. And it and it's super easy for us to believe as Matt said that that love doesn't work. That love actually cannot produce the results that we need it to. That love is insufficient. Mm-hmm. That love is um philosophically a good idea, but it doesn't actually have the power to transform in any way. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like love is fine if you are a, a kid and you need a good kid sermon. You know, if you're seven years old and it's like an introduction yeah. to who God is. Right. Or, or love learning is, how to share yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe at your wedding. Yeah. We'll talk about love at your wedding. That's probably sure. good for that. <laughs> and then maybe maybe uh, someone who dies and they've had a long life and uh, they suffered a long time and now there's, this death is a good death because it's they're finally in peace. So we can talk about how we can talk about love. Like we, 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 we relegate love to these moments of sentimentality. Mm-hmm. Rather than like the ruthless, rugged, uh, nitty gritty love that you're talking about, Douglas, that you wrote this musical about, that Dr. Luther King, uh, Martin Luther King, like love that puts its life on the line, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a fierce, tenacious, rugged love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and that's the that's the kind of love. I mean, it's it's almost like we've lost how tenacious and rugged uh, the love, the the sacrificial love of Jesus really is. Because our our imaginations are, are hijacked with yeah. sentiments like greeting cards, you know, or or with uh, just been sexualized. Eighties like right? love songs. Yeah, right. Songs. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like journey. a journey. Sec- journey has killed our. It's their fault. Love. It's their fault. Yeah, but I won't stop believing in real love. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Rick, write some write, write a Christian version of that song. That'd be great. So so one lo- one last question for Douglas. Douglas, as you kind of as you look back at your journey. And you kind of look at the kind of desert season of discerning where is God leading, and as you kind of look at how God has led, what what advice would you give to us about listening and discerning where God is leading, uh, about following Him to difficult places? Uh, I, I would imagine we have some listeners out there who are thinking, "Man, I, like I thought I was called to this, but now I'm not sure," or "I've got all these expectations and pressures that I'm walking into, and now I don't know how to manage all of that." Or I'm thinking about doing something different, but I can't discern how to get there. What what advice would you give to our listeners about? Kind of how do you follow and discern where God is leading? How do you listen? How do you know whether it's God's voice or your ambition or your mom when you were a kid talking <laughs> to you? Like, how do you discern all of those things? Um, f- for me, knowing what my will is um, and what I want or don't want to do um, sometimes helps me to discern the will of God. Yes. Um, uh, that the, the prayer, thy will be done, um, does one or two things in me. It either changes my will uh, over a period of time um, so that it lines up with what God's will is or, or it marks out something as separate from, from, my, from my will that, that might be the will of God. Um, I, I, I'm learning still that, that the most important um, thing to do is to try and hear the voice of God and to follow his voice no matter what. 
um, no matter how illogical it may seem, um, even if the whole world says that you're wrong, um, even if even if all history says that you are wrong, even even if it means insecurity to yourself, um, your family, um, even if it means uncertainty, even if it means that you're almost like Ezekiel looking at this valley of dry bones hmm. and saying, God, these unconnected things in my life, um, I have no idea how they come together to live. I'm a bit this, I'm a bit that, I've done some of this, I've got this skill, I've, 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 I've this sense of aspiration, I've this dream, a series of things that, as it were, look like dead things on the floor like bones. In God, they live because like Ezekiel's response to God, it's, it's God, you alone know how this all comes together. Because for me, that was my life. And that was actually the word that my friend who I came out to pray with, who set me up with the theology school said mm. to me, he says, ultimately, your life's so many different things. And you don't know how the fact that you 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 can understand contracts, um, that that you can write, that you have a ministry heart, that that you wanna you wanna you have scripture as the basis to to things that you do, that 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 you can speak in front of people a little bit, and all these other things that you have, um, how these things come together, and and your response is to be God. I've got to do the thing that I sent you leading me to do as best as I'm able to discern it in faith. If I'm wrong, you can fix that, but I'm just right. gonna do this thing. Yeah. And after I've done that thing, let me see what happens next. Always though looking, I believe that God always like 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 the parent and the child affirms his path uh, with a sense of life, a, a, a sense that, that this is you know, yes. the pat on the back. It's, mm -hmm. it's you're right today. Yeah. Um, because even Jesus had that voice from heaven. Uh, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased at different at different points. Mm -hmm. um, his which is the, the big heavenly pat. You're fine in this step. Now take the next one. Now yes. take the next yeah. one. Yeah. 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 And that's I think that's there's so much beauty in your story because what we see is just faithfully putting one foot after the other, which sometimes we imagine our spiritual journey as being a 20 year journey hmm. or a 30 year journey. And really what it amounts to oftentimes is the next step of obedience. Yeah. What's the next step of obedience and allow God to speak. So hmm. God, oftentimes I want him to give me the 10 year plan and he gives me the next step. Hmm. Uh, and there's a beauty in walking in the next yes. step, trusting that God is always present and at work, yeah. trusting that God meets us exactly where we are and trusting that what he's doing in us, he's going to do through us. And so there's something good that's happening in the midst of the journey and in the midst of I'm, I'm practicing law, I'm writing some plays, I'm moving from London to Atlanta, uh, I'm doing all right. of these things. And in the midst of all of it, God is shaping me, transforming me and creating and helping me to become the vessel that can contain the dream. Uh, that he has for my life. Uh, and so thanks for being faithful. Um, thanks for being with us today and sharing a little bit of your story. Uh, and thanks for your friendship, man. Uh, and we're super, super thankful for your family here in Atlanta. Great to meet uh, you, Douglas. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic to talk with you. Uh, so guys, a couple things that are coming up, uh, August 17th through 18th here in Atlanta, you can hang out with me and Douglas. Uh, Douglas now has to be at this event. He's uh, coming. We're going to do an Enneagram <laughs> event. Uh, we're going to, uh, to do some training uh, on, uh, on the Enneagram, and we'd love for you to join us here. Our Gravity Leadership team will be here. Uh, and there'll be a registration in the show links. Yep. Correct, Ben? Yep. Yeah, we'll and, put it in the show notes. Uh, yeah, in the show notes. Uh, see, I don't even know how to say that. Musical. Yep, the show links, plays, the musical. We'll put it in the play notes. practice. 
Yeah, we'll yeah. put it in the rehearsal. Uh, <laughs> September 14th and 15th, we're doing a prayer school in New York City with Brian Zond. Uh, yes. And you can also find that in the show notes. Show, no- <laughs> show notes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks in for being notes. with us today, yeah. guys. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you found it helpful, please let us know by leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you review podcasts. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com to ask a question or suggest a topic for a future episode. And join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful in our work as local pastors and practitioners of discipleship and mission. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.